Welcome to this episode of HR Coffee Time. It's wonderful to have you here. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, a career coach and the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching, where our mission is to help HR and people professionals have successful and fulfilling careers without working themselves into the ground. This week's episode and next week's episode are a little different to normal. The first thing about them that's different is the fact that they're aimed at people who aren't already working in HR. Because I have so many people get in touch to ask for advice on changing career to work in HR that I thought I should make an episode to help. And although I have lots of advice I can give personally, I thought it would be more powerful for everyone to hear from others who have managed to make the jump from their old career into a new HR career. So I'm incredibly grateful to the amazing people who volunteered to come on the show and share their experience. In fact, I had so many people say they'd be happy to help that I've had to split this episode into two because it would be way too long otherwise. The other thing that's different about today's episode to all the others is that it's the first time I've interviewed lots of different people on one topic and then stitched their interviews together. So fingers crossed it's worked well and you enjoy listening today and next week. If you're already happily in your HR career, why not listen and then let me know if you have any other tips you think it would be good to share about career change. I'd love to hear them and you can contact me at any time on LinkedIn or by sending me an email. If you're listening today because you want to change career to work in HR, I really hope you find this week and next week's episodes helpful. You're going to hear from a range of people from all types of career backgrounds who have moved into different kinds of HR roles across different sectors. They share how they made the change, what they love about working in HR, the challenges they hadn't anticipated, and their advice to you if you want to make the switch, but you're a bit nervous about it or you're not sure how to. The first person you're about to meet is Ruby Harrison. Ruby is an HR advisor who works as part of a small HR team within a new organisation that has been created as part of the NHS. Here's her story of how she changed career to get this role. I was at university studying to be a doctor. I'd wanted to be a doctor since I was quite young, you know, since I was a child and I was at university. But I was retaking my fourth year of my degree and it was quite difficult and I was finding it very difficult kind of academically but also you know personally myself and when I stopped and thought about it I realized that it actually wasn't what I wanted to do anymore and you know the idea of being a doctor didn't appeal like it had done before so I left but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do so I worked in a doctor's surgery for a year while I thought about what I wanted to do and I was looking at different graduate schemes and I came across the NHS graduate scheme because I'd realized that I actually I did still like working in the NHS but not in the things that I had been doing and the NHS graduate scheme has quite a few different things you can do you can do general management you can do finance or you can do HR and there's some other ones as well and looking at the HR scheme I just thought it sounded really interesting I thought the idea of still kind of working in the NHS and supporting that work but supporting the staff rather than directly with patients sounded 
really interesting. I've always liked the idea of working with people. So HR made sense to me in that way. And the other thing was that doing the HR graduate scheme included doing a postgraduate diploma in human resource management and getting CIPD level seven through that. So I thought that would also give me, you know, a lot of options for the future as well. So I applied for that and went through the application process and everything and uh, managed to get a place on it. So I spent the last, well, until July when I started my role, I spent the two and a half years kind of learning about HR through working in three different organisations and getting to see quite a lot of different sides of HR as well as at the same time working on the uh, CIPD qualification as well. So quite busy, but by the end of it, I knew that I really did like HR and that I wanted to carry on, which is why I applied for the job that I have at the moment. It's great to hear it was such a positive experience for you. I have so many questions I could ask you. I haven't ever attended a graduate scheme before, although I obviously know about them, but I'm sure that lots of people listening may not have been on a graduate scheme either. I think maybe the first thing I'd like to ask you is how many people are on the scheme with you? So as a whole, kind of in the NHS graduate scheme, each cohort has about 300, 400 people, but that's across all of the different disciplines. So my HR cohort was about 25 people. So we, when we did some of our things were online, obviously during COVID, but when we did get to get together at the university, our group was of about 25 people, but that was spread across the whole of England. So there were sometimes other graduates in the organisations I was working in, but not necessarily because everyone is spread out and especially the HR one being a little bit smaller, you know, you kind of get to know certain people who might be working near you but not necessarily and as I say especially with COVID there wasn't a lot of face-to-face -face time. Oh that's interesting I wasn't sure if you would get to be working alongside other graduates at the same time so it sounds like potentially not. Just because it's a graduate scheme it doesn't mean you need to have graduated very recently at least I think that's the case is that right? Yeah not at all so lots of people obviously kind of graduate and look at it as you know what they're going to do as soon as they finish university but there were lots of people who that wasn't the case for at all there were quite a lot of people who are who I say in my HR cohort who had had other careers both within and outside of the NHS and had decided that they wanted kind of to do something new there were people who were a little bit kind of later on in life and had children and now we're sort of looking at a career change after coming back. There were other people who'd you know, been to university and done one thing and then worked for a few years and had just decided that they wanted to do something different and thought that a, a graduate scheme was a good way to do that. So in a way, the, the name graduate scheme is a bit misleading, I think, to people because it, it makes it sound like you have to have just graduated and actually all it really means is you have to be a graduate of some kind. 
which is just so brilliant to hear because I think when it comes to career change, it's something that is completely disregarded by most people. I have a whole career change programme, which I've had for years, and I don't think that whilst on that, anyone's initial thought has been, oh, I could look into being part of a graduate scheme. Because not only can it be a, a wonderful way of getting a very good grounding in a new discipline like HR if you haven't done it before, but of course it is a job at the same time, isn't it? So you are being paid while you're while you're doing the the studying and the learning at the same time as the working. Yeah, which I think is is really important, obviously as well, because it means that you kind of have that you are able to earn money and to be able to, you know, pay for your expenses and things as well as actually kind of learning. But at the same time, the learning is then funded by the graduate scheme you're on. So you're not having to, you know, self-fund for courses and, and universities and all of that training. So, yeah, I think it's a really good option. And now that you're in your fabulous new role, what is it that you like the most about working in HR? I think it really is that opportunity to work with so many different people. Our organisation's about a thousand people, so lots of, you know, lots of people working in lots of different roles. And as a HR advisor, lots of those queries will come into our inbox and we'll then contact the people back and see how we can help them. So that just means that I get to talk to lots of different people from all across the organization and hopefully manage to help them so that always feels nice i think it is that opportunity to talk to different people and hopefully resolve any questions or issues they've got and come away feeling like you've you know made their day a bit better hopefully yeah i think that's what i like the most about it and so having heard the things that you really like about working in HR, what are some of the challenges that maybe you hadn't anticipated before you embarked upon your HR career? I suppose it's the flip side of what I like about it is that there are so many different kinds of questions you can get. There are so many different things that people need HR for that sometimes that can be quite full on, I think. And because it's often things that are really important to people, like if there's issues with pay or leave or illness and things like that, those are obviously quite, you know, can be quite emotional things. So you've got to try and help people in a way that's, you know, sensitive to that. And when there are problems or if there are, for example, you know, someone, a problem with their pay, that can be a really big thing for them. So I think I sometimes feel quite a big responsibility to try and fix all of those things. And sometimes that's not possible or it's out of our control. And I, that's the thing I think I find really challenging sometimes. What advice would you give to anybody who's listening today who is thinking of changing career to work in HR? I think to have a really good look at what different areas there are in HR. I think that was one of the big things I didn't really know was all the different things that are involved and that the different roles you might be doing might not include some of them. 
so it's a really good idea I think to really look into all the options look into what different HR roles involve and check that the one that you're applying for you know will fit what you want to do because yeah there are so many different areas and if you're kind of interested in more more of the OD or learning and development side of things you might end up in a role where you're just doing recruitment and obviously that might not suit you or suit what you want to do so I think yeah having a real good look at what's out there and what can make up the whole HR profession and trying to get you know a little bit of an idea of what those different things are and what you like and don't like. That's such good advice Ruby and I know when I had my HR career it's something that I really wasn't aware of at all when I first embarked upon it. So again, for anyone listening today, if you're thinking, oh gosh, I hadn't realised that there are all of these different aspects to the whole world of HR, there is something called the profession map that the CIPD has created. And that can be a great starting point for going to have a look and seeing what are all the different specialities that you can either choose to specialise in for your HR career or that you can try and make sure are going to be incorporated within the role that you take on. So I'll make sure that I put a link in the show notes to the profession map if you want to go ahead and take a look at that. Now it's time for you to meet Josh Halstead McGlashan. Josh is an HR business partner for the Nurture Landscapes Group, where he covers all aspects of HR for approximately 750 to 800 colleagues who are based at locations across the Midlands, the North and Scotland. Here's his story of how he changed career to work in HR. I've only actually been in HR for around three and a half to four years. I was heavily involved in operations before that, mainly in a large corporate enterprise covering all aspects of operations from a customer service perspective and dealing with very large customer facing teams that meant having quite a a lot of HR responsibility within my direct reports and I think I found a love for the people management side of my role which led me down eventually a career path into HR got fed up in operations moved to a company, went for a sales manager position in a company, massively fluffed my interview, but got invited back for a conversation and they wanted to create a role in the business that they didn't have, which was HR and legal manager, which had a bit of commercials in it as well from my operational days because they saw that I had a a passion for people and wanted to trial out this role with me. So I eventually moved into that organisation and took the HR division forward which was for me was, you know, one of those massive, massive changes. You know, you go from looking at operations and then one day you're confronted and you look after HR and considering I'd never been involved in HR from a standalone perspective before, it was quite interesting and it was very challenging. But yeah, that's that's how I did it, fluffing an interview, but impressing the managing director enough to invite me back. That's absolutely amazing. I can imagine there are going to be lots of people listening who are incredibly envious where they will have been applying for HR roles as part of a career change and and not being able to get an interview. So it's just absolutely incredible that you went and interviewed for something else and all of this passion shone through, which has resulted in your HR career. A lot of people say to me, you know, you've skipped a lot of levels within HR to get the job that you've got. You know, I'm very fortunate to hold what I see as a, 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 
a HR business partner role in a large organization, given that I have skipped a lot of those traditional HR positions that you would usually go into to get to that position, which, you know, I don't take for granted any, at any one period. But I think it's like you just said, you know, the, the passion that I have for colleagues and people must have shone through. And, you know, once you've managed people, you've managed people and you know how to treat them and the rest of it, you can learn as you go. Um, and I'm fortunate that I've had a lot of mentors within my, within my HR career, as, although short, as short as it is, who have helped guide and, and mentor me down some of these paths. That's such an interesting point that you make about mentors, because although I've just said, oh, there'll be some people listening who are really envious, there may be others who are going to have a similar thing happen to them or who are going to find themselves in a more senior HR role than they'd initially anticipated. And I think having a mentor can be such a wonderful way of helping you build your confidence mm. while you're stepping into a role like that. So I feel I've got to ask you then, how did you find these mentors who have been helping you along the way? At first, you feel that they're are potentially critiquing what you're doing or criticising what you're doing. And I think it's taking that step back and actually seeing it for what it is, which is guidance and, and mentorship. And I think for me, it was accepting that, you know, I'm my own biggest critic. It's accepting that feedback for what it is and opening your mind to actually taking that and doing something with it and having that honest conversation around where you're struggling, where your pitfalls are. And I think it's like looking in the mirror and saying to yourself, right, you're not perfect. You know, we all go to work and we think that what we do is the best thing since sliced bread and that we're right. But it's taking that accountability to say, well, actually, I'm not right on this point and this is where I need that guidance and support. So does that mean that they've been internal mentors, people within the organisation you've been able to turn to for, for that feedback and critique? Absolutely, yes. A lot of it has been line management. So in my previous role, I reported into the managing director and I was able to lean on him for support and guidance. And he was very forthcoming with it, but a man with a lot of experience. And, you know, he was a very strong guiding hand, given it was the first standalone job I'd had in HR, which he understood. And I think that's why he was there as my mentor. Where I am now, I was brought into the business by a very strong HR leader who has guided me for the last 12 months and then he's took a step away from the business and we've now got a new chief people officer who is fantastic and very strong on the mentorship so it's absolutely great but as well as that I have a lot of friends who work in HR as you can imagine you know we're, we're all interlinked and it's leaning on them as well and it's very difficult to have that conversation with friends because you like to portray a front to friends that you are great at your job and you know everything but I lean on them the most, I would say. Well, that's brilliant to hear that you're able to do that. And I think it can be so valuable being able to turn to our peers and yeah, friends within the HR community. So thank you, Josh, for sharing that. For my next question, can I ask you, now that you have this HR career, what is it that you like the most about working in HR? I think I'm all about colleagues and I think the thing with HR and especially in the job I do, it's that balancing act between having the businesses back and supporting the business through strong policies and procedures, but also having the colleague back when we need to. And I think for me, one of the biggest kicks I get out of working in HR, as cheesy as it is, is, is making the working environment a better one for people to actually enjoy and thrive in what they're doing and that they get a kick out of coming to work. 
And now that you've shared what you like most about working in HR, it would be fantastic if you're happy to share what the challenges have been that you hadn't anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I look at my position where I am now, I'm working with people that are a career HR people. You know, they've worked in HR their entire lives. They're, you know, a bit older than me. They, you know, they've done a bit more than me in the HR sphere. You know, I think the the top of my list from a challenges perspective is imposter syndrome. And it's that it's that thing that we all deal with at some stage in our career. And that thinking you're not good enough to do the job you're in. This role's too big for me. You know, I don't know enough. You know, I don't know employment law like the back of my hand. You know, I have to consult a manual or a website. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge for me is that when you you get something that you're not used to dealing with and your mind goes blank and it sets in, well, maybe this is just too big for me. Maybe I need to give it up or, you know, look somewhere else. I think one of the other challenges that I have is when I look at colleagues and look at the complications they've got in their lives and how as a business you know we are here as with a duty of care to try and support them as much as we can and how that impacts their work and how we have to take them through different policies and procedures and how that impacts them further that's another challenge in terms of you know having to take that home and try and turn it off at the end of the day it can be quite difficult. I'd say they're the two main challenges that I have in HR. I really appreciate you being so open about that because especially when it comes to imposter feelings because they affect so many of us at different points in our career but I don't think that we're all very open about talking about that a lot of the time and what that can lead to is everyone thinking oh it's just me who feels like this I'm the only one when actually it's so many of us at various points so I think that's fantastic that you brought that up thank you and also the part about it can be hard to switch off and not take aspects of the job home with you as well. Josh and I went on to carry on talking about imposter feelings in quite a lot of detail. But while I'm sitting here now editing the podcast, I've realised I don't have time to include them all, unfortunately, because I have too much audio for this episode. So Josh, if you're listening, I'm so sorry I haven't included all of this part. I'm going to move along now to the final question that I asked Josh, which was what advice he had for anyone who is listening to this and would like to change career to work in HR. I would say do it if you've got an opportunity. If you see that job online and you think I score 75% of the way through on what that job's offering, then I would say go for it, apply for it. You've, what have you got to lose? You know, you probably, probably get an interview. The market's the market is a market at the moment. You know, people are looking for strong candidates. And one of the things I hear the most in HR at the moment is I'm looking for that person with a different skill set to what I've got in my team already. You know, when I, I'm looking for somebody at the moment and I'm looking for a person with a different set of skills to someone I've already got in my team or the other two people that I've got in my team. And I don't want them to have HR experience because I want to mould them into what we need to get the job done. So I would say don't look at it in terms of if they're looking for CIPD, as you know, that'd be great to have. Don't worry about it. Apply and sell yourself on your CV. Having met Josh and heard how he moved into HR quite easily, in fact, almost by accident, it's time to meet our final guest for today, Maxine Blake. 
Maxine is an HR business partner and talent acquisition lead for a county council. If you haven't heard the term talent acquisition before, this is just the process of finding and recruiting people to work in the organisation. In her interview, she shares how her career change to work in HR was more of a challenge than it was for Josh. So I finished my degree in applied industrial chemistry and at the same day that I graduated I also got given my first pub. So I come from a hospitality background and I spent 17 years managing pubs, restaurants and nightclubs. So they were up to multi-million pound businesses, so thousand capacity venues all over the country including down in London and I became a business development manager down in London. I hated being hands-off, I'm a very hands-on people person and so then came back to again carrying on running and managing huge venues and loved hospitality and it was always a passion of mine but then decided um, that I wanted to do something else. So I thought, right, okay, so tried to get into HR and couldn't get into HR at all. Knew it was something that was really interesting and I knew it was something I'd done lots of it over the years from a business management perspective, but hadn't done it kind of as a standalone career before. So then spent three years uh, desperately trying to get uh, into HR or into L&D and had some really good support from some agencies. But because I'd spent 17 years in hospitality, nobody would touch me in the nicest sense and during that period I got a BSc in applied chemistry I'd done an MBA with the Open University and still constantly had know your hospitality know your hospitality go get a job in HR in hospitality whereas I was applying for any HR job in all honesty so then after three years I delightfully got a call from one of the agencies I think it was the SF group who turned around and said we actually have an L&D business partner post over working with Spirit which is still was the pub company so therefore I obviously jumped snapped the hand off went did the interview and then moved into the L&D side to start with because I still knew I wanted to move into the HR side again trying to get that first foot in the door so I'd looked at doing the CIPD qualification which at the time was four separate qualifications that you had to do and there were about four thousand pound per qualification which was obviously going to be an investment of 16,000 which is a lot of money then one of my friends said he thought about doing your master's now, the MBA was probably the hardest qualification I've ever in my life done. So I really wasn't in favour of going to a master's degree. But they said, if you choose the correct master's, you can also do the CIPD qualification at the same time. So that when you finish, you end up with a, a master's, an MSc, which is the MSc with I went, but also with CIPD level seven at the end. So I started looking around, ended up at Bradford Management School, uh, and it was £10,000 for that qualification. When I looked at 10000 versus 16, and I get it the same, plus I get a master's at the end of it. Hence why I ended up going over to there and doing the um, master's degree in human resource management. And then eventually, after a couple of job hops for doing L&D, and then kind of being heading up uh, internal communication and employee engagement, then finally got to the glorified, delightful HR business partner perspective, and finally got into doing full-time HR, and then it just rocked from their career wise and stuff. Well, it's brilliant to hear your story. I'm sorry it was so hard to break into your <laughs> HR career, but I'm hoping that for anyone listening who may be finding it challenging themselves, it's reassuring to know they're not alone in finding it difficult. And actually, there is a way forward. So it's really clever what you've done by taking that step into L&D where you could prove you had those skills and that experience to then be able to sidestep the biggest thing for me and kind of one of the biggest pieces of advice I'd get for anybody who is trying to get onto the HR ladder and struggling and not being easy is about going and finding CPD to do. So whether that is with, you know, so for me, I chose to go do the master's qualification, but I just turn around and think if I can't progress, then I'm going to progress educationally instead. So 
even if so if there's courses you know whether it's on eventbrite or anywhere any cpd that you can do so that when you do finally get into an interview for a hr post to go well actually yes i've been coming on doing whatever post i was in currently but actually i can also then go and go well actually i went and studied this i did this webinar i went and joined this group i went and uh, you know i did mediation training anything that you can do even if it's smaller steps will all go towards your um credibility when you do go for a hr business partner post After getting carried away chatting to Maxine for ages, I eventually asked her the question, what did she like most about working in HR? I, I can't lie. The um, I always look really cheesy. So if I do a LinkedIn post, I always look really cheesy because I just I love every aspect of HR. I've not find I've, the only I've not done is payroll and shared services, but every element of HR that I've been to, I absolutely love. Uh, I especially love case law and stuff. But with this specific role, probably the biggest buzz is, and it's it's almost like sales in a way, is when we land somebody. So that can be where, especially when we've got some either senior roles, so kind of the executive and director posts. Or when we've got some real technical specialist posts, so things like uh, we were looking for a tree and biodiversity manager before now, which I was like, we have those? Do we need the <laughs> Ecologists, arborists, I'm kind of like, do we have that? I didn't know they had those. But yes, the biggest buzz is when we've either been able to, we've either had a candidate that we know is a really good candidate and therefore then found a post which fits for us and fits for them. And being able to turn around to somebody and offer them a job just feels incredible. Or where we, there's been a really hard post where they may have been recruiting for 12 months and we fill it with somebody who's great and that tends to be a lot around the engineering roles where we then manage to fill them and that's just the biggest high to kind of go something that's been so difficult for us in as organization to just through proactive searches proactive headhunting contacting the right people and being to bring them in is, is just great that feels fantastic so hearing all of those highs i feel bad actually asking you if you'd be happy to share what the challenges have been. I know you've said that you love all aspects of HR, but I also know that all of our careers come with challenges. So what are some of the challenges that you might not have anticipated? I'd probably say, especially really for those who are looking at moving in from another career, um, probably the biggest challenge for me was around probably communication in all honesty so I've done lots of communication over the years Uh, my father was a theatre manager so I started off gosh selling raffle tickets to 1200 people at a time so I'm good at comms and I've always been very confident around communication but working out probably the biggest challenge is working out what comms you need to give to different levels within the organization and then also considering individual people's individual ways of communication styles and if I explain what I mean by that is so the actual doing the job was never a challenge for me just because um, I love learning so if I don't know how to do it I'll go find how to do it but the biggest challenge was working out kind of everyone's little intricacies and idiosyncrasies to a certain extent so I would go and pitch an idea to a board now nobody ever said boards can be a little bit like a wolf pack and therefore if one of them starts then everybody else starts and all of a sudden you get bombarded with the questions and then it was again it was a colleague who turned around to me and said pick them off early on and I said oh what do you mean and they said it because obviously I'd made sure my communication was at board level so kind of quite high level but she said go and speak to the individual directors before you go in to then go this is what I'm looking uh, at doing any thoughts ideas etc so that way when I went into the meeting I'd already covered any concerns that people had got and therefore it landed and I didn't end up with that challenge from multiple people all at the same time without necessarily having the answers but then as part of that then thinking okay so the next kind of level down if I'm looking at kind of the middle management what does that communication need to look like then and for the guys for me on the shop floor how do I need to communicate with them so you've got three different types to start with 
But then on each of those three different levels, you have different people within it. So one of my board members, it was a great guy called Dave, and he was a huge reflector. So whereas I tend to speak quite quickly and talk quite fast, uh, and some of that's linked to neurodiversity, but I tend to do everything at triple speed and everything else. With Dave being a, a reflector, I knew when I went in to speak to him, I need to slow down how I spoke. I need to make it a lot more considered and also keep it fairly short and to the point. So the way I did is I would go in with him. I'd make sure I was the last appointment for the day. I'd pitch whatever idea it would be and then say, let's catch up tomorrow morning because that way I had overnight to reflect. And then in the morning, I'd just say, are you OK with everything we talked about yesterday? Nine times out of ten, it would be. However, if I'd gone in either at my normal speed or my normal pace, then he would just used to sit there going, what? So it's uh, so the communication, working out all the different communication styles and how different people need different communication. So it wasn't just down to the, the level that you were pitching at, but also what those personal pers individuals learning styles were to make sure you tailored your approach to what they needed. Well, that's something that I've touched on with the podcast a few times before, because it is so important, especially as you're progressing your way up through different levels in your career. I think the more senior you become, the more essential those influencing skills really are. So what I can do for anyone listening who is thinking, oh gosh, I could do with knowing more about this or I don't feel fully confident with this, is I'll put some links in the show notes to the other episodes that look at influencing and hopefully they'll be helpful. So it's great to have that raised. So wrapping up our time together today, Maxine, you've given so much advice already, but what else would you like to share with us for anyone listening today who is thinking of changing career? Do it. Only because however, whatever the challenges come up and however hard it seems, I said I spent three years applying for roles and it does not your confidence when people either there was uh, and again with all the qualifications, all the experience that I got, I kept getting those and it does not your confidence and you do end up questioning whether or not it's the right thing to do and actually maybe I should just carry on doing what I was doing because I was really good at that. So why am I even sticking my neck out in the nicest sense? If it's something you're passionate about, do it. Don't let anything stop you. Take the knocks. Take it as is because I would think most people have been managers as well and therefore have you know said no to people and therefore you you know yourself it's nothing personal and therefore just take the knocks but if it's what you to do then just keep focused keep going down and I guarantee sooner or later even if it's only the first foot in the door you will get that foot in the door and then you can show people how brilliant you are and your career can go. All that leaves me to say is a huge thank you to Ruby, Josh and Maxine for sharing their experience and advice. I hope you enjoyed listening to them and learning from them as much as I did. And if you have found today's episode helpful, I would be really grateful if you could rate and review the podcast for me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as it helps encourage them to show HR Coffee Time to people who haven't already discovered it. And I would love to help as many people as possible with these free weekly episodes. Thank you so much and I look forward to being back again next week with the next episode.